Welcome to Touched by Grace, an outreach of Grace for the Nation's Church here in the city of Grand Rapids, Michigan. For more information, visit us on the web at gftnc.org. And now, here's Touched by Grace. Proverbs 27 and 17. It says, Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. When I give you the anatomy of a friendship, it's going to be based on this foundational revelation in the scripture that if a person is not adding to your life, they're taking away from your life. And it's okay if you take a little bit away from my life because I have that to give as a friend. But if you try to take everything from my life or if you try to take things that I'm not willing to give from my life, if you deplete me when I am around you and I feel exhausted and I feel drained and I feel overwhelmed and I was happy and now I'm depressed like you and and now you're no longer depressed, but you're happy because I'm sad. Look at somebody and say, what kind of friend is that? It's not a friend if you don't feel better by being in their presence. They're not a friend if you're not leaving them in a better state than you found them. You're not a friend. But there is a friend that sticks closer than any brother. There's a friend who is willing to sacrifice, a friend who is willing to sharpen you as iron sharpens iron. The imagery is two swords that are being clashed together. And in that process, the clashing of those swords literally make the edges of those swords sharper, sharper to be used on the enemy, not on each other. Sharper to be used in a, in, a, in a case or in a situation where there is adversity and I've got to come to the assistance of my friend. Because my friend has sharpened me and because I've sharpened my friend, when my friend is in need, I'm right there and I've got my sword. I've got my ability to help liberate them. If you don't have friends in your life that's helping to liberate you, you question their friendship. If you only have friends that 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 get from you and don't give to you, you question the friendship. Sometimes we have to take a moment to pause and we have to um, uh, identify the relationship. We should dissect relationships from not a negative perspective, but just to be safe and to be sure, assess and evaluate the people that are closest in your life. Jesus came and he literally did that. He broke up families. And I know that doesn't seem seem to be biblical, but Jesus said, you know what? I came to turn this thing upside down. When Jesus showed up, he says, I came to set it off. I came to let you know that unless you love the Lord, Lord, your God, with all your heart, your mind, your strength, and and love your neighbor as yourself, you really haven't done anything. So what? You go to church. So what? You're a a Pharisee. So what? You are a Sadducee or or a Jew. Uh, He said that to them, and and they looked at him like this, like, what? In fact, those people in prominent positions looked at him and said, he's hanging out with drinkers. I want you to understand that when you are a friend, you don't lead people to bad practices. In fact, if your friend can't deliver you, then you and that friend are both on their way down. Stop and think about the compelling responsibility we have to help save a life. If I know that the building is burning and I know that there's somebody behind that door, I'm going to do whatever that is within my ability to help rescue that individual, of course, preserving my own life, because what good would it be for both of us to go down? What good would it be for both of us to drown? If you're drowning and I can't swim, I got to call 911. 
But if we have a friendship, if we have a bond, if my love for you is so strong, I may not know how to swim, but I'm going to get out there as far as I can without losing my life to save yours. And I will put my life at risk for you if I am a true friend. Proverbs, the 19th chapter, the fourth verse says this. Wealth makes many friends, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. There are some friends. All you got to do is pull out a few dollars and here they come. We had neighbors when I was coming up and every time we pull the barbecue grill out, they show up. So true friends are not friends that are made with wealth. But do you realize that when you have something to offer, people gravitate to you? People gravitate to you. You know it to be true because if you know uh, anyone of celebrity status or anyone of high economic status, anyone who's got it going on, as they would say, you want them to recognize you in a crowd. You want them to recognize you. You want them to say, oh, yeah, yeah, let, let him in. Let her in. You want the preferential treatment that comes along with their wealth. Now, let's look at wealth from a different perspective and let's put our let's turn the tables. Let's turn the tables. My assumption is that you're not one of those people just yet, but you're working toward that. Your goal and your objective is to be a person of great wealth, not just monetary wealth, not just financial wealth. But you want the richness of God and the fullness of the joy of God. How many of you can have joy when all your bills are paid? Yeah, you can have joy when your future is solid. You can have joy when you know that you don't have to worry about anything financially. That would be wealth as well. So let's say that you're wealthy. Let's say that you're walking in the blessings that you've been prophesying about. You've been shouting over. You've been dancing about. You've been having dreams about it. You've been asking God to come through and he comes through just like God does. Fast forward your life. Two weeks, 10 years, two days and the blessings are upon you. Do you realize that all of those people that were peripheral in your life will show up at your door? They will show up at your door and they'll be, how you doing, friend? In fact, they will blow your phone up. They'll text you. They'll email you. They'll inbox you. They'll do whatever is necessary to get up in your life. Now, my question is, does it take material things to have friends in your life? And if they're only your friends when you have something to offer them, what kind of friend are they? What kind of friend are you that you only show yourself friendly when you are on the receiving end of whatever your friends have? What kind of friends are we if we're the friends of God and we only praise God when things are going good? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God is good. Life is good. Everything's great. Got a raise on my job, driving a brand new car. Yay. Friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of all done it. You've all danced it. But what happens when things are not going so well? Is God still God in the midst of the rain? Is God still God when things are not as bright as they should be? Is God still God when your bling is not blinging like you want it to bling? Is God still God? Are you still a friend of God when you're sick in your body, when your mind is just that close to going over the edge? Are you still friends with God when everybody around you has left you and you can't trust anybody? Are you still a friend of God? Can God still look on you and say, that's my friend? And they say, well, there's something wrong with them. God says, no, 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 no. I'm working my friendship out. Ask Job. Ask Job. Job did nothing wrong. 
strong, very wealthy, had it all. Friends, his kids had parties every night. But Job lost it all because the enemy knows who God's friends are. Wow. And God knows that the enemy knows. So God confronted Satan and said, have you considered Job? How many know that God never asks a question unless he already knows the answer? He said, you considered my servant Job. He said, yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, I have. Because he's an upright man, because he's got it going on, because everything is right in his life. God says, well, do your thing. He's a real friend. And Satan tempted Job, but could not cause him to fail. Job had friends, friends who weren't necessarily friends in the end. Job had a wife, Mrs. Job, and Mrs. Job's friendship. How many know that your family is not always your friends? Yeah, well, your family's your family. You can't get rid of them. You can, you can, you can pick a lot of things, but you can't pick your family. All right? You can pick corn off the stalk, but you, you can't pick your family. She said, man, you need to just curse God and die because you're looking pretty, pretty putrid right now. You, you're just a wretched mess right now. Do you know what Job's response was? He says, you know what? I know my Redeemer lives. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Now, now think about this. He couldn't trust Eliphaz, one of his friends. He couldn't trust his wife because she was ready to go ahead and get it over with. She's like, man, just hurry up. All right, already. You're at the end, buddy. Bye. She was checking out insurance policies. She was like, you know, Eliphaz is looking pretty handsome these days. And, and you know what custom was is that whoever your friend was got your spouse after you left. Frightening thought, isn't it? We don't do that in this culture. In this culture, we don't, we don't swap wives and friends. All right? Back to Job. Job's friendship with God stood the test of time, but he had to have a test. And it had to be over time. I'm helping somebody right now who might be feeling like you're going through. I don't care how bad it gets. It's not as bad as Job. And Job won in the end. Job had everything that he had in the beginning come back to him. Double fold. Can you imagine that? What did he have? Ten kids? Man, seven sons, three daughters. And so that means that his kids multiplied. Do you realize that the enemy will be made a fool out of in the end? If you keep your friendship with God intact. Let me not be so um, presumptuous in that you already have a friendship with God. Let me not be so presumptuous. And let me show you the anatomy of the friendship really quick. The anatomy. The anatomy of a friendship is that friendships create a unique bond that cannot easily be broken. If you are in a unique bond with Jesus Christ that cannot be broken, then perhaps you pass the test of being a friend. Understand that Jesus clearly told his disciples, and I love the skit. The skit was very clear in that the relationship with one another is enhanced by the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. They could be friends based on the fact that they not only loved one another, but they loved Jesus, giving them a pure love for one another. Which leads us to that other one in that it gives us access to the lives of other people. Our relationship with Jesus Christ gives us access to the lives of other people where we influence them and they influence us and we put up with their singing no matter how good or bad it is. 
We put up with people because our bond and our connection is so tight that we have a real friendship that is not easily broken. And I have access to speak into your life. I mentioned earlier today that we often have rejection and rebellion when people try to speak into people's lives and they don't have an inroad. They don't have a relationship. They don't have some type of connection. You don't walk up to somebody in the mall who's dressed very badly and go, what were you thinking today? You probably shouldn't have wore that. You can't walk up to somebody and say, man, your face is just, oh my, do you realize how unattractive you are? But you can tell somebody you love, I wouldn't make that face if I were you. And they laugh it off and straighten up their face. You can tell somebody who you're very close to, uh, that don't match with that. You probably should, why don't you try that other one? You see, a relationship opens you up to receive criticisms as well as compliments. A true relationship is going to be balanced and it's not going to be just one sided. You're not going to just stroke me until you choke me and all. You're great. You're wonderful. You're spectacular. I would die off of that. But feedback in a friendship oftentimes tells us, man, we need to pray. You need to do some fasting. Things are out of line. Why don't we get in the word of God? Come on, go to church with me. I was hanging out with you all week long and I missed what I was supposed to get with God. Come on, you got to come this way now. Remember the spectrum, the, the spectrum of wisdom and godliness on that end and foolishness and ungodliness. A friend will draw you to that end of the spectrum. A friend will invite you to come and walk in light and walk in wisdom and walk in truth and walk in hope and walk as a helper. One of another, a true friend will get you out, not get you in. So when you think about this, you think about this, you think about this. A friendship also has to have a certain level of trust. Now, the scripture tells us don't put your trust in man. Don't put your trust in man. Trust in God. The scriptures tell us that if we trust man, man's going to let us down because man is flawed. But you know what? I don't necessarily have to trust my friend as much as I can trust the God in my friend. How about I trust the God in you? Keep sure. And I don't see the God in you. I'm a question. Don't you say you got some God in you? I mean, isn't there some God? I mean, that's what makes us friends, right? Godly people have godly friends. Ungodly people have ungodly friends. In fact, we are not necessarily friends with the world per se. We are acquainted and we know about the world. We understand the world. We can invite the world. We can even allow the world to be with us to to learn what we have come to know. But at some point in time, you have to make a decision. Are they influencing you? Are you influencing them? You've been listening to Touched by Grace, an outreach of Grace for the Nation's Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. For more information, log on to our website, gftnc.org, or call us, 616-974-9128. Our mission here at Grace for the Nation's Church is to reach the diverse people of the world by teaching biblical principles and life application of the Scripture. Despite the present-day challenges facing individuals families, and our communities, we believe there is hope.